Alrighty, welcome back to Unqualified Analysis, the only show on the internet that just keeps on doing stuff, man. I've I've really kind of shirked my duty in, in doing the log line for this uh, this show. Eh, probably won't start now. It's it's well early ish. I'm on an off day, so I've had a, a rolling start for the last uh, two ish hours or so. Haven't showered, haven't done any hygiene stuff at all. So you know it's. It's a good morning. It's a good morning, ladies and gentlemen. I'm camera ready right now. Hat, flannel, uh, undershirt from work yesterday and all. We're here, baby. We are here. Today we are talking about the NFL with a little sprinkle of college football in there. Got a couple bets for you. Uh, not very, uh, it's, it's a light uh, slate of bets that I'm getting into this week. Uh, combined with college and NFL, I think I've got... Um, Either three or four. I, I can't remember if I moved. Actually, it is it is four. Come to think of it, just because I'm I'm adding it to the slate. May not actually bet it because I don't want to go out and make another account for another sports book right this second. But you know what? I actually might do that anyways. Either way, I'm I'm getting off off topic here. Um, today we have got the NFL preview for Week One. I uh, won't be doing a whole lot of these just like straight up preview episodes going forward. We'll actually have games to talk about on these Thursday NFL episodes, so we'll start with the actual games themselves and then kind of go to the preview like I did um, on Tuesday with the college football episode. Um, Going to be a lot more like that, so this one might go a little bit short. We'll have to see how it works out there, but before we get into the NFL, let's wrap up the uh, the college football slate with what happened on Monday night. And uh, it was a shocker to me, ladies and gentlemen. So let's just let's just hop straight into it. Ah, sipping on my second cup of coffee. That's gonna that's gonna play out my digestive system like a dirty bomb here in the next couple hours, folks. You don't have to worry about that. I do, but man, do I I love myself some coffee. You know, let me get another sip of that. Actually, Mm-mm, nothing like. A hot, not too hot, mind you. Not so hot that it's burning my mouth, but a nice, fresh cup of coffee. That's going to be cold by the end of this episode because I'm going to be talking too much to uh, to sip out of it. But such is life sometimes, man. Such is life. Let's talk about some football, college football. The number nine Clemson Tigers at the time uh, went to Durham to play Duke. And I'll tell you what. They got their ass handed to them. 28-7 was the final score. The Blue Devils ran them out of the stadium. I was so confident that Clemson would come out here under the new Garrett Riley offense. Uh, be so new look. Uh, former five-star quarterback. Number one dual threat quarterback in last year's recruiting class. Cabe Klubnik. I thought he would come out and just light the Blue Devils defense on fire. Uh, Duke, maybe they get feisty towards the end of the game, uh, but I thought with that new look offense, with the defense being consistently solid on the other side of the ball for Clemson, I thought for sure that this was going to be one where Clemson, maybe it stays close for a while, but they eventually pull away. That is simply not what happened in this one, man. Clemson didn't look good at all. I mean, the, the offense looked... um. Uh, the the nicest way to put it would be befuddled, befuddled offense all day. Uh, the bad way to put it would be, I mean, Cade Klubnik looked terrible. I mean, he looked like um, a true freshman, really. It looked like there was no offseason whatsoever. Uh, looked like there was just no answers that he could he could find. 
And when he was able to just like get some time in the pocket, he looked antsy. I mean, he was having happy feet all over the place. He wasn't pushing the ball down the field. He was checking down on basically every throw. Um, and I'll tell you right now, it did not seem like the offense that we saw at TCU and SMU for Garrett Riley. It looked a whole hell of a lot like the offense we saw from Clemson uh, the last couple of years, really, that under the under the previous regime of offensive coordinators. Um, hell, even even if you go back to Trevor Lawrence, man, there were times there they just simply were not maxing out the talent they had on offense. And if you ask NFL scouts, there's a lot of guys that come out of this Clemson offense where you're just like they simply we're not developed and we're not getting the maximum out of their talents in college. And that's been that's been going on for years in, in NFL circles, uh, scouting circles being like, hey, this offense simply isn't up to stuff. It looked a lot like that offense over the last several years. You think you bring in Garrett Riley, some things are going to change. The dynamic is going to change. There's going to be a little bit more uh, creativity with it. It didn't feel like that at all. I mean, Will Shipley still had a great game. I mean, over six and a half yards for carry, 114 on the ground. Uh, didn't score at all, though. Well, actually, he scored uh, through the air, got, caught six receptions, one of them being a touchdown reception. Basically, Will Shipley was the only player on this team that had a, a modicum of a good game, pretty much. I mean, Phil Maffo was okay in this one as the backup. I mean, still feels like the Clemson rushing attack is healthy as it has ever been, but that doesn't really help you when you're down uh, two, three scores in the fourth quarter and Riley Leonard on the other side, Duke's quarterback, whose name had escaped me for a little bit there, won't be escaping me anymore. Dude is, he's a clutch player. I mean, he didn't do a damn thing through the air, but on the ground, eight carries for 98 yards. That's a robust 12 a carry uh, and a touchdown. He just just strangled the life out of him. The Duke run game in general, they didn't get quite as many yards as Clemson, but they didn't need to. They scored three times to Clemson's zero on the ground, and they got 6.6 per carry as well. And, I mean, they made their fair share of mistakes, but they made far less mistakes than Clemson. And the Blue Devils offense was moving throughout the, uh, the fourth quarter especially. They scored 15 to just absolutely bury the Clemson Tigers down the stretch. And, I mean, Duke came out looking good. They're now ranked in the top 25. I think they're they're certainly ahead of Clemson. I mean, Clemson dropped from, uh, I want to, well, it's ninth last week to, I want to say they're either 24th or 25th. But, I mean, basically just like, hey, we have to include them in the, in the top 25 because we can't just drop them all the way out. But when you lose by three scores to a team you were expected to beat by two scores, if, if not even more than that, um, it comes as a little bit of a shock to the senses. You got to drop them down way, way. I mean, LSU didn't even drop down that much. They dropped down into the uh, the, the mid parts of the the, the top twenty five. Uh, at least they looked like they had some life at times. I mean, Jaden Daniels looked like he was at the very least elusive, a lot like the elusive player he was last year. I mean, I think he caused the most uh, missed tackles among QBs in the Power Five last year. So that should tell you how elusive he is. Maybe he didn't look the part through the air, but I mean. Clemson didn't look the part either at any phase of the game. They didn't look good on defense. They didn't get a single sack in this game for the first time in 45 games. Uh, wild statistic there. Um, and on offense, they looked somehow even worse. I mean, Kate Klubnick ended this thing with just under five yards per attempt passing the ball. And I said it before, but it, it's worth harping on. I mean, he looked uncomfortable the entire game. Even when he had a clean pocket he looked uncomfortable. Um, he, he would extend the play, and his best, frankly, his, his best plays of the day were coming with his legs. They weren't coming with his arm. 
I don't know if it was just a product of the offense, if it was a product of good defense from the from the Blue Devils. I don't know if uh, it it seems like from the rhetoric, um, Dabo came in and was like, "Hey, we are." Uh, who, what is it? Garrett Riley has to learn the Clemson offense. That's not why you bring in Garrett Riley. That That is simply not why you bring him in. You bring him in to absolutely change the philosophy of the team offensively because they've been terrible over the last couple of years. It wasn't the, the quote-unquote play calling alone that made them so bad on offense last year that led to DJ Uyunglele being, I mean, just under underwhelming, transferring to Oregon State where, lo and behold, he scored five touchdowns in week one. It wasn't just the, the play calling. It was the offensive philosophy in general. It was archaic. It simply did not work in modern college football or modern, modern football in general. And it seems like they rolled largely with a similar style of offense, once again, very ground heavy, uh, seems very predictable for the most part. Um, I do not see this working out going forward if they continue to do that. And Cade Klubnik, I, good luck to that kid because he did not look good. He looked like he did not develop at all in the offseason. And very reminiscent of what we saw from DJU in this offense over the last uh, couple years. He was there outside of that one explosive first game. I mean, Clemson, they don't really have a difference maker on the outside. Will Shipley's really the only special player they've got on the offensive side of the ball. Defensively, no one really jumped off the tape. This is feeling like a very different Clemson Tigers team than we have seen over the last several years under this Dabo Sweeney run of uh, ACC competing, playoff competing teams uh, right now. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens throughout the course of this season and going into the offseason. They have vocally and openly shirk the transfer portal, which is the modern way of, of building a team, or at least supplementing your recruiting classes. All the best teams are, you saw what Florida State did. They had a, a top five uh, portal class and a very good recruiting class, and they just absolutely ran LSU off the field. Same thing for LSU, quite frankly. I mean, you can go down the list, USC, Texas, um, I, I mean, Alabama less so, but they still did some damage in the portal across the college football landscape. Hell, Georgia, the reigning national champion, they took Mississippi State's number one wide receiver last year, Ra Ra Thomas. He is now on that roster as well. So it is simply a reality of college football that Clemson has shirked over the last really couple of years since it's, be, it's become largely in vogue. And part of that is Dabo Sweeney being obstinate. Uh, I think I'd say most of that is part of uh, is Dabo Sweeney being obstinate and just blindly believing that the old way is going to get it done. I think you saw in this game simply not what is going to happen. So as Josh Pate so eloquently put it on last night's late kick as I'm recording this, Dabo Sweeney is either going to flip his philosophy night and day and really start embracing the transfer portal this offseason or He's going to retire in all likelihood. I mean, either he's going to retire or he's going to be retired by the game because uh, this is not going to be sustainable. He has set the expectation that Clemson is going to be a top 10 team every single year and compete for playoffs. Um, it only takes one or two down years. I mean, just look at Texas under Mac Brown. Mac Brown set the expectation and he was still getting nine, 10 wins a year, but you don't live up to that expectation after a while. They're just gonna they're just gonna move on to something else, whether for better or for worse. It didn't work out for Texas really up until this year, and even this year, it's it's yet to be seen. They had got a great roster over there, but got to put all the pieces together. It, it could be something similar for Clemson here, where if Dabo Sweeney 
decides that, hey, I'm going to keep rolling with what I'm doing. Eventually, it's going to work. I think eventually, before it works, he's going to get fired. And that's that's really uh, what it comes down to. So yeah, he's either going to embrace the transfer portal or he's not going to be the Clemson head football coach for very long. But what we saw on Monday night simply is not going to be sustainable going forward. And they got to figure some things out. I think first and foremost, they obviously got to let Garrett Riley run what he wants to run because that... I'll say it till I'm blue in the face. That did not look like the TCU or the SMU offense over the last uh, couple of years. That looked like vintage what Clemson's been running the last couple of years. I don't feel like Garrett Riley is getting the freedom to call what he wants to call and implement what he wants to implement. And it's, I mean, it's not helping his coaching um, acumen. Well, not acumen doesn't really matter in this one. It's it's coaching reputation. Um, it's not going to help him get a head job, which I am sure Garrett Riley is is angling for here eventually. It doesn't help Clemson. It doesn't help anyone uh, to keep rolling with this archaic style of offense. Um, I, uh, be worried if you were a Clemson fan. That Florida State game is going to hurt. They are going to lose by a lot against Florida State. I don't know what the line's going to end up being. I think it's at Florida State in that one here in a couple weeks. Um, early bet, keep an eye out on that one. Same thing with... Uh, well. I don't, I don't want to bring in LSU over Grambling, but this this week, I, LSU might win by 60 against Grambling. Uh, I'm, I feel as sure about that one as I feel about Florida State running Clemson out of the building when they play each other in a couple of weeks. Those two are night and day. Florida State looks like um, the team in the ACC. I don't think they're going to get challenged all year pretty much outside of a trap game here and there. Duke is looking like more and more of a problem maybe. I mean, Pittsburgh is always feisty when it's all said and done. But Clemson, I we, this was viewed as a two-horse race in the ACC, maybe three if you count in uh, UNC there with Drake May. Uh, I think I think FSU is just a cut above everyone in that conference now. I think they're going to I don't know if they're going to roll through necessarily. I think they end up finishing the season undefeated and they are going to be in the playoffs when it's all said and done. That that is my prediction out of the ACC. They looked uh, more impressive than just about anyone in week one running LSU off the field. That being said, though, I've spent 15 minutes on this game alone. I mean, watch for Clemson this year. This could get ugly. Um, I mean, Dabo Sweeney has shown in the past that he can uh, right the ship. He's going to have his work cut out for him in this one, though. And it's going to take a little bit of a humble pie, if you will, to step back and say, all right, maybe some of the, the things I've been doing over the last several years don't work anymore. I can either ride off into the sunset and enjoy my, my two national titles that I won uh, at home, uh, live in the glory days, or I can evolve and keep this thing rolling. Choices up to him. But with that, let's start looking at the NFL, boys and girls. Uh, loaded week of games. I'm really not going to bet on a whole lot of them because week one is... As unpredictable as it ever has been in, in the NFL, I think I got a, a good a, a good grasp on the rosters, if you will, at this point. But I don't know exactly what any of these teams are. And honestly, every single year we make assumptions about some teams that are just simply uh, not true. I mean, hell, Colorado, I thought they were going to be bad this year. Now I think uh, I said preseason six and six would be a barnstorming success. I think they make a bowl this year. I still think they're probably like seven and five, but I think they're better than I thought they would be. I thought they would be like right around a four, 
a four-win team, maybe like a four-and-eight sort of thing. And that would be a success in my mind for year one. Uh, same thing in the NFL, though. There are a lot of these teams, there, there are some teams here that I think are going to be good that are, in fact, bad. And some teams that I think are bad that I think are going to end up being good. So week one, you sit back for the most part and let the board play out as it may. Make observations, take note of them so you can have a, a bit more of a, a committed slate of bets uh, going forward from there. But... As of right now, here is how it stands, and we'll start off with uh, the opening night game, which I do have a bet on. I bet the over at 54.5 because I am an idiot. That line has now come down to 52.5 in most places. Uh, FanDuel, you can get it at 52.5, I think, across the board outside of Caesars who's got it at 53, you can get that at 52 and a half on the over. So if you waited on that one, you're smarter than me. Congratulations. Go ahead and take your over. Um, one caveat to keep in mind, uh, Travis Kelsey hyperextended his knee in practice on Tuesday. Uh, status in doubt for Thursday night's game. Um, that, that could affect some things. Still got Patrick Mahomes on offense, though. Still no progress on the... Uh, uh, on the, the Chris Jones front, I still don't think he's playing. I think that this is still going to go over. I still feel confident of that number at 54.5. Getting at 52.5 is just a treat, folks. So I would I would still recommend going on that one. That is one of my bets for this week. Um, also, before I forget about it, um, I don't know what the line is at now. I know it's, it's come up a little bit on uh, FanDuel. It's at 69.5 now on the total for USC versus... Um, Who's the team? Stanford. Stanford going to USC. Um, I got that on Caesars at 68, and I think that was the the best uh, best number at the time. I don't know what it's at now, but I'm adding that adding that bet to the slate as well. I like uh, uh, again. We're gonna ride the over on the USCs uh, until the wheels fall off, pretty much. More accurately, until they start setting lines that are like pushing 80, mid to upper 70s, and you know, especially when they're playing teams that don't have great offenses. Now, you get into the meat of the Pac-12 schedule, you're playing a UCLA, you're playing an Oregon. There may not be a line that you can set high enough for me to not take it. That being said, if it, if it pushes 80, I'll, I'll probably stay away uh, for the most part. But we're riding that USC over until the wheels fall off right now. So I'm adding that to this late. I got two overs so far. Uh, over 54.5 for the Lions Chiefs and over 68 for uh, Stanford USC. But back to the game at hand, Lions Chiefs here. Um, some of the absences on the Chiefs side have made this uh, to where <clears throat> might be might be working out in the Lions' favor here. I mean, they still got Patrick Mahomes to contend with on the other side of things, but this thing opened at uh, 6.5 in favor of the Chiefs. It's come down to 4.5. That's at... Uh, bet MGM for the uh, for the Chiefs. Uh, you can get the Lions at plus five and a half on FanDuel right now if, if you're looking to bet that side of things. Again, I'm staying away from the spread on this one because I simply don't know. I just know that they're going to score a lot of points. And <clears throat> I think Jameer Gibbs is going to flash off the screen in this one. Uh, this is going to be a big test for Willie Gay and Nick Bolton. How are they going to deal with Jameer Gibbs out of the backfield? I think he's going to be used a lot in the passing game, uh, in addition to the run game, I think he's just going to be a star in that Lions offense, quite frankly. And that offensive line, especially with Chris Jones not in there, the Lions offensive line is looking like it has a decided matchup advantage on that defensive front, specifically in the middle. I think they're going to run the hell out of the ball. I think Jared Goff is going to be asked to, I mean, every once in a while make a throw 
that keeps the chains moving and uh, maybe have some explosive aspect there to the offense. The receivers are simply not the strength of this team, though. It is the offensive line and it is the backfield. I believe David Montgomery is back there in the backfield. You got uh, Jameer Gibbs, who you drafted uh, very high in the draft. They are going to emphasize that throughout the course of this game, I would imagine. And maybe that takes some time off the clock. Maybe that takes some some points off the scoreboard. I don't think so because they were able to score a bunch of points that way last year. You still got Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, you drafted Sam Laporta this year uh, for the Lions. I don't know if they win this, but I think they score a lot and they, they make this a lively game. The Chiefs, I still think, even, even in the face of maybe Travis Kelsey not playing, even in the face of... Uh, Chris Jones probably not going to be there due to his ongoing holdout. It just kind of feels like even with that, you got Patrick Mahomes there. You got a good enough group of receivers. I mean, they, they got Kadarius, Tony, uh, they draft Rasheed Rice in this year's draft in the second round. Uh, Justin Ross, an undrafted free agent, has been making a lot of plays. You got MVS. They have good enough receivers outside of not having Travis Kelsey to where even with the, this improvement in the Lions secondary, I just think b- behind that great Chiefs offensive line, uh, perpetually good since that Super Bowl where Patrick Mahomes just getting just brutalized back there. They, they took that to heart and they've created an elite offensive line. Behind that offensive line and with those receivers, I still think they're going to score points. I think they're going to win this thing. I don't know if they cover, but I think they do pull this one out in the end. Again, right now, if you're looking at an over 52 and a half, that is probably about as good as you're going to get unless like some more injury news comes down the pipe. Um, maybe if Travis Kelsey is confirmed to be out, that comes down even more. Um, it is, it's juiced to the over right now uh, at minus 112 as far as I'm looking at on the Action Network. Uh, at the very least on, on FanDuel Sportsbook, is, it's juiced to the over. So maybe it goes up, maybe it doesn't. I think for right now, 52.5 is a good number if you want to get in on that. Outside of that, I mean, sit back and enjoy. Opening night is going to be fun. I think the NFL picked a good one uh, if, if all goes as I think it will. So look forward to that. Football is back, baby. Football is fully back once the NFL kicks into gear as well as that college football. Um, what are we looking at here? Ah, yes. I'm, I'm totally, totally. Do- We're on the Sunday games now. I thought for... Thought for a second the Bengals Browns was on Thursday night just because of the, uh, the the weird place they put the time here. I'm on the Action Network website by the way, so I'm kind of just like surveying all of the lines as I as I go through this slate. Bengals Browns is a one o'clock game though on Sunday it makes a lot of sense. Uh, lines opened at two and a half in favor of the Bengals, still at two and a half in favor of the Bengals. You can get that uh, pretty much everywhere. There's it's two and a half across the board. All all the sports books seem to be kind of in, in consensus. On this one, don't have a great read on what's going to happen here. I don't know what Deshaun Watson's going to look like in his second year. Um, I don't know what Joe Burrow's going to look like after missing the entire preseason with an injury. Um, Over-under set at 47.5. Started at 47.5. You can get that. um, uh, You can get 47 in some places. Um, Points bet specifically, I think, is where you're going to get that. Uh, Most places are 47.5. I'm staying away from that one as well. I think they got that pegged pretty well. I mean, because you don't know. If the Browns come out and Deshaun Watson isn't playing well, once again, are they going to hit that 47.5? 47.5 is a a big line uh, for an NFL game. 
even if the Bengals come out playing well on offense, which that's not guaranteed either, you think it's going to happen, and you, you assume that Joe Burrow is going to step in right away, just be the player that he's always been, but there's not a guarantee on that as well with the with the ongoing calf injury. So I'm staying away from that. As far as the game itself goes, man, the, the, the AFC North is just perpetually stacked, and this again if you look at the Browns roster, they should be competing every single year with what they've got. They've got great players on both sides of the ball. Um, they got maybe the best running back in the entire league right now in Nick Chubb. Um, even with the departure of Kareem Hunt, they have a very deep backfield. they got Jerome Ford, who they drafted out of Cincinnati. Um, even more players outside of Jerome Ford. I mean, it is just that great offensive line, top five offensive line in the entire league. Great defensive front with Miles Garrett, Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa. Um, I forget the cornerback's name, but they got they got great corners back there. They got great secondary. Based on the personnel, they should be one of the best units in the entire NFL. But it just, for some reason, they just can't get the Browns stink off of themselves. And they just disappoint year after year. Could this be the year that it all comes together? Could Deshaun Watson come out there and play well this season? We'll find out a lot about them in week one, I think. And until then, I just don't know. I think... Tentatively, I would lean the Bengals just because they've got the pedigree. They, they've been to the AFC Championship, what, like three years in a row now? Joe Burrow is, at the very worst, the top five quarterback in the league, maybe top two or three as far as I'm concerned. Uh, he's fantastic at, at every phase of the game. I think I lean the Bengals in this one. I lean the minus two and a half. But again, I'm, I'm staying away because I have no idea what either of these teams are. Um up next, Buccaneers versus Vikings. Uh, this one opened up with Minnesota being favored by six and a half. You can get them at minus five and a half at points bet. Uh, it's down to plus six if you want to bet the Buccaneers on this one. That is with FanDuel Sportsbook. Um, Over-under started at 46, and it's come down to uh, 45, 45 and a half. Just kind of depends on uh, what you're looking at there. Again, I'm staying away. I don't know what this new look Vikings defense is going to look like. I think ultimately they will play better than last year, but I don't know if the personnel has improved markedly on that side of the ball. I think they're still uh, a year away and a bunch of draft picks hitting from uh, actually fielding a top half of the league sort of unit. I think they're going to be right middle of the pack generally. I mean, in best case scenario, they're top of that middle. Uh, worst case scenario, they're bottom of that middle. Either way, I think they're going to be more creative under Brian Flores in this new scheme. I think ultimately, um, if the money line wasn't like minus 250, I'd say go ahead and bet that money line uh, for the Vikings. But outside of that, I don't know how pretty it's going to be. I don't know if they're going to hit that over at 45 and a half. If for no other reason, I think the Vikings offense is going to score basically no matter what because uh, another year under Kevin O'Connell, uh, Kirk Cousins, for all the hate that he gets, uh, he's an enigma. Sometimes I hate him, sometimes I love him. He's can still he's still a top ten quarterback when he's playing at his best, and he's got a damn good group of receivers. Not even I mean, not even mentioning T.J. Hawkinson in the receiver room. He has got Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison, who they drafted this year, K.J. Osborne, who they've had in there for a couple years. That's a solid. That's as good a one, two, three as you're going to find across the entire NFL, quite frankly, and. Sure, there are questions in the backfield. I think the passing game is going to be good enough to open up some opportunities for the running game on the other side of things. I am still worried about that backfield, but I think the Vikings are going to score. 
I just think, and this is why I think the Buccaneers are going to be right in line for the number one overall pick. I just don't think Baker Mayfield is that good. Uh, they got some good receivers out there. They got Mike Evans, Chris Godwin still out there. Um, Russell Gage actually won't be out there. I think he, he's down for the entire season, come to think of it, uh, with an injury. That's a tough loss at third receiver and really makes him thin across the board on that uh, on that side of the ball. They don't have a very good offensive line, which is kind of what Baker Mayfield needs to be successful. I don't think the Buccaneers, I think, are going to be one of the worst offenses in the entire league. And it's not it's not due to a lack of, of marquee names of the skill positions, if you will. It's just uh, the, the positions that matter most, offensive line, quarterback, they are just abjectly bad at. There's no two ways around it. I don't know if the Buccaneers are going to score enough to get to that uh, that that uh, over under of 45 in this one. Uh, I do think the Vikings win this one at the end of the day, though. I, I like the Vikings on the money line. I'm not betting that though because there's no value in that. And also, it's it's bad karma to bet on your own team. But remember that, folks. It is bad karma to bet on your own team. I like the Vikings winning in Week One though, and. Boy, enjoy this while it lasts because there is a gauntlet ahead on this schedule. You can go, you can go look at the full schedule. I got, I got a taste of it the other day on on Twitter, and boy, uh, it's gonna be a tough road to hoe in this season, man. There is a lot of really, really good defenses, really good teams overall, really good quarterbacks that the Vikings are facing throughout this year. Good luck to them. This could be. This could be a tough season from a scheduling standpoint. I still, I still like them more than a lot of other other teams in the NFC, if for no other reason than I'm a homer. But let's keep it moving from here. Got an AFC, not an AFC, an NFC South matchup here. Another one o'clock game: Panthers versus Falcons. What is Desmond Ritter going to look like? What is Bryce Young going to look like? What is that Panthers offensive line that was getting brutalized all preseason going to look like? We think the Falcons have a good offensive line. How will that defense look with all the new pieces that are being put in place? A lot of questions here. Uh, the over-under started at 43 and a half. It's now down to minus or 39 and a half. So from a, from a pure just like logical standpoint, 39 and a half is an attractive number to get in on. It's just... I don't know what either of these offenses are going to look like outside of the Falcons. The Falcons are going to run the piss out of the ball. I'll tell you that right now with Bijan Robinson coming in there. And they basically go, uh, unbeknownst to me, and I don't know how they did it, they kept basically all of those backs on the team. So they, they go like three, four deep in the backfield. Crazy, crazy depth. They'll probably get like four or five yards of carry, uh, even though the Panthers know they're going to run it basically every time. Uh, Desmond Ritter's going to have some easy decisions to make. Um, the line right now, it started at minus two and a half, and it has moved in the Falcons' direction to, to minus three and a half. Uh, you can get that basically everywhere. The sportsbooks seem to have a, a good consensus on that one. Um, I'm not betting this one, but if I had to lean, I would say Falcons minus three and a half. I just really, really like this team this year, and I don't know what the Panthers... I think the Panthers are going to be okay. I think that defense is going to be pretty good. I just don't know... That offense looked terrible in the preseason. Bryce Young looked like everything as advertised, but is he going to stay up? Is he going to be able to stay healthy throughout this season because the the offensive line maybe not as good as build? Again, it is preseason, so take it with a grain of salt. Maybe it doesn't end up being applicable to the regular season, but I don't know. I don't know, man. I just like the Falcons this year. I think this is a year they break through and make the playoffs. Even if Desmond Ritter is kind of subpar, I think outside of the 49ers. This may be the one offense in the league that is uh, maybe not QB proof, 
but good enough to where you only need an average QB uh, to win games at a high level and a good defense. That's basically all you need. Average QB, very good defense. Uh, I don't know if they have the second part of that, but at the very least, I think Desmond Ritter is going to play average. He progressed well towards the end of last season. We'll see how it goes in, going into this season. I would lean Falcons on the spread. I think they're going to win this game, but again, I'm staying away. I don't I don't know uh, what the hell's going on in week one just generally. If you're an overbetter, that 39.5 is, is juicy, I suppose, but uh, I'm staying away from that one as well. Uh, Jaguars, Colts playing at 1 o'clock. If this were in Jacksonville, this is a, a lock of the week hammer Jacksonville. Um, since they are not playing in Jacksonville, though, I don't know. I mean... This kind of Jaguars are the clear best team in that in that AFC South division. The Colts are kind of, you know, transitioning to a new QB. They're not going to have Jonathan Taylor out there for the first four weeks at least. And we'll see if he's even on the team. And they're still, I would assume, exploring trade options outside of that. So um, started at three and a half in favor of the Jaguars. It is now up to five in most places. You can get it four and a half on FanDuel. That's a juicy little morsel there if you're you're betting on the uh, the Jaguars in this one. Uh, the Colts, on the other hand, uh, you can get them at you can get them at plus five on uh, most places outside of Fanduel. You can get them at plus five. I'm staying away from this one as well. I mean, uh, the over under you can get it at 45 at uh, BetMGM. 45 in most places. I mean, Fanduel is a little bit high at 45 and a half. Uh, if you're taking the under, Fanduel is the place to do it. But outside of that, I'm staying away from pretty much everything in this game. I don't I don't know. Uh, I don't have a great read on on what either of these teams are going to do in week one. The Colts seem to lose week one basically every week, though, and I think a lot of betters are uh, are banking on that, uh, especially with the new offense. I do think throughout the course of this season that Shane Steichen offense mixed with the skill set of Anthony Richardson is going to yield fruitful results if for no other uh, reason then he's got the ground game capability and you saw with Jalen Hurts last year in this offense he was really able to to thrive uh, with a mobile QB that being Shane Steichen able to thrive with a mobile QB and uh, make that QB thrive as well and I think that's going to translate well over to this Colts offense outside of that though the, the defense outside of Shaq Leonard in that front seven the back end looks suspect suspect to say the least um, they're going to need to generate a lot of pass rush, and frankly, Jaguars' offensive line might allow them to do that. that this is one of the more um, underrated things throughout the course of this offseason. I think uh, I think it was Cam Robinson. I think Cam Robinson's on that team. He got suspended for like six games. Uh, they lost Juwan Taylor to the, the Chiefs in this offseason. That offensive line... <sighs> Low key, one of the uh, one of the more concerning parts of this team, and uh, strength coming out of the backfield, Travis Etienne, which you would expect in in with a, a subpar offensive line, you lean more into the run game. Uh, the front seven is the is the, the strength of the Colts defense. I could very easily see the Colts um, covering, maybe not winning, but keeping this close throughout the entirety of this game. Um, it's 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 murky waters. I would lean the Jaguars to win just because. Top to bottom, they have a better roster than the Colts right now. But the Colts have it. One, it is a it's a divisional matchup, and two, uh, the Colts have some advantages in key areas that I think can can cause some problems for the Jaguars. I mean, watch out for this one. Maybe turn into an ugly game. I mean, at forty five, I think I'll probably stay away from the over in this one. Maybe you take the under if you are so inclined. I'm still not going to do that because the Jaguars still have players all over the field on offense. I just think. 
Colts might be able to rush the passer in this one, might be able to stop the run, and that is that is a recipe to muddy up the game and possibly come out of here with a win. I think this might end up being a rock fight when it's all said and done between the Jaguars and the Colts. I think it'll be a close divisional matchup, though, unless the Colts just simply come out of the gate flat in week one. Maybe maybe the Jaguars do the same. It's always unpredictable when you talk about these divisional matchups, specifically in week one. So that should be an um, interesting one to watch and follow throughout the uh, 1 p.m. slate. Another 1 p.m. game. We got the 49ers traveling to Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers. Looking more and more like Nick Boza won't be in for that one. Um, they've been working feverishly on that, uh, that, that extension from his rookie contract all throughout the week to get him ready for week one. Um, I feel better than uh, Chris Jones, quite frankly. I feel better than, about them getting this done um, than maybe Chris Jones getting done before Thursday night. Obviously, you got the extra couple days to get the deal done, but it seems like the 49ers and Nick Bosa's camp are at least in the same ballpark and are working towards this thing. Feels like um, you, you've heard various reports of a deal being imminent, which is not something you could say about the Chris Jones situation with the Chiefs. So don't know if Nick Bose is going to play. Even if he doesn't play, though, I mean, the front seven is just so good for the 49ers. I mean, they signed Javon Hargrave this offseason. Still got Eric Armstead in there. They, they lose a couple guys outside of that. But, I mean, you still got Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner there, the, the best duo of inside linebackers in the entire league. You got a solid secondary. Yes, they lost two. But you also got a really good defensive coordinator in Steve Wilkes there as well. I think they're going to be maybe not quite as good as they have been the last couple of years, especially if Nick Bose is not out there. But even with Nick Boza out, they have a very, very good, I mean, a top 10 unit at the very, very worst, I would say. And the Steelers offense looked very, very good in the preseason. Don't get me wrong. Offensive line, still kind of a question mark when it's all said and done. Still kind of in the, in the process of a rebuild. Yes, they have Isaac Sayamalo in the middle there that they signed throughout this offseason. Uh, they drafted Broderick Jones, who I'm not sure if he's starting week one. Probably something I should I should look up and know off the top of my head, but Bad podcast host. It is what it is there. Um, line is minus two in favor of the 49ers right now. You can get that at BetMGM. If you're betting on the Steelers, uh, two and a half, you can get that a lot of places. I mean, FanDuel and DraftKings in particular have a plus two and a half for the, the Steelers in this one. Uh, not, a, not a great consensus outside of uh, being uh, two or two and a half. For most of these sports books, I think there's a little bit of uh, uncertainty as far as the Nick Bosa situation that's kind of, you know, messing with the half points a little bit there. I'm, I'm staying away from that one as well because I think the Steelers actually have a really good squad this year. I think uh, George Pickens is going to show everyone that he's a legit number one receiver in the NFL, uh, maybe even possibly a top 10 receiver when it's all said and done. The dude just makes plays. He makes big plays and his catch radius is insane. I think he ultimately... Uh, usurps Deontay Johnson as the number one receiver. I mean, that's not that's not taking anything away from Deontay Johnson, though. I think Deontay Johnson is a fantastic receiver, really good at the technical stuff uh, and just getting open underneath. Going to need both of those guys. I think Pat Fryermuth is good. I think the addition of uh, Darnell Washington, especially in the run blocking, is going to help immensely. They got two really good backs in uh, Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. I just think this offense is really good in general. And the defense speaks for itself, quite frankly. The secondary is young outside of Patrick Peterson, so there is that. And there's also no guarantee that Patrick Peterson will stay healthy. But this Steelers defense, I mean, the front seven is as good as it's ever been. Uh, 
signed Alex Highsmith to a big deal this offseason. Still got T.J. Watt in there, who was a Defensive Player of the Year candidate every single year. Still got Cam Hayward, who's a Hall of Famer there in the middle. They draft Nick Herbig this year, who looked fantastic in the preseason. Maybe one of the best uh, draft picks on the entire team. Maybe one of the better uh, steals in the draft in all of the NFL. He's just slotting right in there in the uh, in the front seven as well. The defensive line is deep as it has ever been there for the Pittsburgh Steelers, which is going to help out the secondary when it's all said and done. I think this ends up possibly turning into a rock fight uh, just based on the strength of both of these defenses. Uh, I'm staying away from the spread, staying away from the over-under. You can get that at 41 or 40 and a half if you're going on FanDuel. 40 and a half is the, is the lowest either way um, that you look at it. If you're, look, if you're trying to bet on the, uh, the under, uh, you can get 41 and a half at, at points bet. Might be one that I lean towards there. But again, I'm, I'm staying away here in week one. I just think this is going to be a dandy of a matchup. Old school football matchup, defense wins championship sort of matchup here with the Steelers and the 49ers. Maybe I could be wrong, though. Even the 49ers on offense with Brock Purdy coming back in there. Got all the weapons known to man between Debo, IU, George Kittle, um, Christian McCaffrey, Eli Mitchell coming out of the backfield. I mean, they are loaded at all the, all the positions. Lose on the offensive line, a few guys there, but... The 49ers have just been able to churn through offensive linemen, and it does not seem to matter when it's all said and done. So I don't, I don't see that being any different uh, this time around. It should be a dandy of a football game when it's all said and done. Uh, Cardinals, Commanders, this should not be a dandy of a football game um, unless the Commanders come out here and just absolutely shit the bed. If if Sam Howell looks absolutely lost out there, maybe maybe you see something like that. Uh, going forward, where they don't they don't necessarily live up to expectations. I keep getting notifications on my phone. Sorry, that's a very unprofessional. To look at that in the middle of a recording, but I digress. There, um, lines started out at minus six. It has moved in the commander's direction a whole point, so it's minus seven pretty much across the board. No matter where you're looking at it. Um, uh, if you want to bet on the Cardinals, you're a sicko, but go right ahead. It's plus seven right now. It's probably uh, maybe maybe even wait on that. Maybe more more money is going to come in on the Commanders. I just think that um, the, the Commanders have a better offense as far as the skill positions. You think that the, the offensive line is uh, a question mark to the biggest degree you could possibly imagine, but they have good enough receivers to really get open. Will Terry McLaurin be healthy? That is a big question. He injured his toe in the preseason, but I think he's... Um, Maybe not a game time decision, certainly questionable uh, when it's all said and done to go out there and be there in week one. This Cardinals team is bad though. They're either gonna they're either gonna start rookie uh, Clayton Looney Tunes from the Houston uh, Cougars last season, or they're starting Josh Dobbs, the hairless wonder, um, at quarterback. Either way, it's a quote unquote competitive advantage that you have to prepare for both because they're not announcing a starting quarterback um, probably not until game time, pretty much. Uh, but uh, you look at the offense outside of that. They got a couple good, um, a couple good pieces on the offensive line, like one or two there. Uh, by and large, I mean, yes, they get Paris Johnson in the draft, and you hope he turns out well. But by and large, not a great offensive line. Um, no weapons to speak of on the outside. Pretty much, you got you got um, Marquise Brown out there. Um, you got Rondale Moore. Shots, explosives, pew 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 pew. Um, you got some some fire in their guts. Uh, Jonathan Gannon making sure the fire is there in their guts. Um, defensively, 
What is the defensive line? They don't really have a great defensive line. I'll tell you that right now. They lost basically their best players throughout the course of this offseason, be it through retirement with J.J. Watt or through the free agency with, with other guys there as well. Not very good on defense. They trade away Isaiah Simmons. Basically, it's Buda Baker and a bunch of dudes out there on defense. This is probably pound for pound the worst off, uh, worst roster in the entire NFL. I think the Commanders are going to smother the Cardinals in this one. If there was one bet that maybe I, I lean towards taking, it would be the Commanders at minus seven. I'm not going to do that just because I, again, I don't know how good the Commanders are this season. I know the Cardinals are terrible, but maybe maybe the Commanders' uh, offensive line causes a, a little bit of a fiasco in week one, and they don't cover that minus seven. I think they should, especially with what they have on the defensive side of the ball. Like I said, I think they're going to smother the Cardinals on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, old dust-up guy himself, uh, Jack Del Rio, just coordinating the hell out of that defense, so credit where it's due there. Um, I, If it all goes as planned, the commanders should cover, but that offensive line scares me. Sam Howell, still don't know what he is. I think ends up playing all right in the new Eric Bieniemy offense. What is that going to look like when it's all said and done? They got a bunch of backs back there. They got a bunch of really good receivers in the room as well. If the offensive line can hold up, they sh- they should run the Cardinals out of the building, but that's not a guarantee when it's all said and done. So, staying away from that. Uh over under's looking kind of attractive. Uh over 38 and a half. You get that if you want. It's 38 at uh most other places for some reason they're they're saying the best odds are at um well, I guess technically best odds minus 105 would be at FanDuel, but if you're looking for the best number, it is literally everywhere else other than FanDuel Sportsbook right now. Everywhere else has got them at uh, 38 on the uh, on the over-under. Uh, if you want to bet the under, go ahead and bet it with FanDuel Sportsbook. If you're betting under on mine, on a 38 and a half, though, you are a sicko. The absolute sicko. I respect it, but you are an absolute sicko when it's all said and done. Uh, staying away from that one, though, I don't. Again, I don't know what the cam- I don't know what the Commanders' offense is going to come out and be, and I know pretty damn for certain that the Cardinals are going to get absolutely pounded into dust by the Commanders' defense when it's all said and done. Shout out to Emmanuel Forbes over there, looking good in camp. Uh, old Mississippi State product first round pick for the Commanders. I yeah, I just don't I just don't see a, a reality where the Cardinals win this one in week one unless the Commanders offensive line completely collapses. But let's keep it moving from there. Uh, Titans versus Saints. This one opened up at three and a half in favor of the Saints. And it's kind of stayed steady there. I don't think anyone has a, a great um uh a great feel on what this game is going to be. Most most places have this at plus three or minus three. Um, I think one place, is, uh, I, I don't know what that logo is, but one place has them at minus three and a half. If you want to go minus three and a half for the Saints, go right ahead. I am once again staying away from this one, though, because um, new look for the Saints on offense. I don't think the Titans are very good on offense, quite frankly. Yes, they add DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, still got Ryan Tannehill there, but that offensive line's an absolute disaster. Got an aging Derrick Henry, and this might be the year where he just doesn't live up to what he's been the last several years. Um, yes, you've got um, Mike Vrabel as the as the head coach there for the Tennessee Titans, which makes it even more murky as to taking the Saints in this one. Um, I don't. I just don't feel. I don't, I don't have great read on this game, so I'm staying away from it on the spread. Uh, Over under is 41. Right now, 41 and a half, you get it at FanDuel. If you're betting the under, you might as well go with, with FanDuel or points bet. They got them at 41 and a half. Outside of that, if you're betting the over, um, bet basically everywhere else outside of those two. Most places are at the over-under being at 41. So take that for what it is. 
Um, I'm not betting anything in this game because, again, I don't have a great feel on it. Um, outside of that, though, the game itself, uh, talked a little bit about that that Titans offense. I don't think they're going to be very good. I think the Titans defense is perpetually going to uh, overperform uh, based on what they've got in the building just because that man that they got at a head coach, Mike Vrabel, is such a defensive genius when it's all said and done. Um I like the defensive line. I, I mean, there, there's a lot of players over there. I think Danico Autry is still on that team. Still got Jeff Simmons there as well. I mean, big Mississippi State presence there for the uh, defensive line uh, with the Titans. Um, outside of that, they got a couple good players in the secondary. I don't, I don't have a great read on on what this team is as a whole, but I think the defense is going to end up being okay. And the Saints, what is Derek Carr going to look like? That, that's the big question when it's all said and done. What is Derek Carr going to look like? I don't know, quite frankly, so I'm staying away from that one. But you look at what's around him. Chris Olave in his second year. Rashid Shahid broke out last year, should be good again this year. Um, Juwan Johnson, again, another guy that broke out last year that, that should be good again this year. Offensive line, you hope it improves. they still got some restructuring coming on the horizon. But for right now, I mean, for last year's first-round pick, Trevor Penning, is slated to start there this season. Um Alvin Kamara won't be there initially, but you got Jamal Williams and a rookie draft pick Kendra Miller back there as well. So overall, if Derek Carr plays up that to his expectation coming in as the new quarterback, uh, just being serviceable if nothing else, should have a solid Saints offense there. It's just with that Titans defense on the other side, I don't know how much success they're going to have in week one. I think uh, more than anyone else in the NFL, Mike Vrabel has a has a tendency to just turn games into rock fights. So I'm staying away from the over-under. I'm staying away from the spread in this one. I think it's going to be a low-scoring battle. Um, will the Saints pull it out? This will be a big litmus test to see what they did throughout the course of this offseason. Didn't even talk about the Saints defense. I think they're still going to be um, solid. I'm not as high on them this year as I was coming into last year, but still got really good players at all levels. Um, they lose Marcus Davenport to the Vikings throughout the course of this offseason, uh, but they still got Cam Jordan there for another uh, year or two. Uh, got some good players on the interior. Uh, linebackers are a question mark, but secondary is as good as it's ever been with, with Marshawn Lattimore, uh, with Tyron Matthew back there as well. Uh, should be a good group, but I don't know. That's That even lends more credence to my thought that this is going to be a rock fight when it's all said and done. So maybe you look at that... that uh, uh, under 41 and a half on FanDuel Sportsbook if you're going to bet this, but 41 and a half is still kind of, it, it's it's kind of a low number when it's all said and done for me, so I'm staying away from all that. Uh, look for a rock fight in this one between the Titans and the Saints. Uh, Texans-Ravens, another game that I'm not sure is going to be close, but the line right now is at um, minus 10 in most places. You can get it at minus 9.5 if you're trying to bet on the Ravens. I think the Ravens are going to be fantastic this year. I think that offense under Todd Munkin with Lamar Jackson there. I mean, you look at the receiving core they've got. They got um, Odell Beckham Jr., Rashad Bateman, um, Flowers, who they just drafted this year. Um, good offensive line. They lose some players in that offensive line, but you still got J.K. Dobbins back there. You got a stable of basically doesn't matter who's in there. As long as Lamar Jackson is running the ball as well, they all look better than they actually are. So that running game is going to be as good as, as it's ever been just by virtue of having that luxury in the building of Lamar Jackson. Um, outside of that, again, Lamar Jackson, I kind of just glossed over the name there, but I think under this Todd Munkin scheme with a little bit more uh, nuanced passing concepts, 
I think he's got an opportunity to be uh, MVP contender once again this year, and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what it looks like. I think the over-under is at 43 and a half uh, for this as well. Maybe lean the over, but on the other side of the things, I don't know what the Texans are going to be. I think C.J. Stroud uh, looked okay at points in this preseason. I think he's taken command of the offense. Uh, they've invested heavily in the offensive line this year. Um, they signed their right tackle to extension. I think they signed Laramie Tunsil to an extension as well. Uh, I think the right tackle actually just got hurt, come to think of it. So not great news on the other side of things, but... They are investing in that team. They got Will Anderson on the other side of the ball. They picked up some really good defensive pieces. I don't think the Texans are going to be as bad as people are expecting. I think they're still not going to be a playoff team. Still might be pushing uh, back into the top 10 pick. I don't think they're going to be a top five pick once again this year. I think D'Amico Ryans is a really good uh, coach. I think he's got a lot to prove as a head coach because he hasn't done it before. But I think he's got the, he's got the juice to do it. I'm staying away from this line because 9.5 is a big, big line. Minus 10 uh, giant line as well. I just don't. Uh, I don't. I don't love the vibes on a, on a minus ten line. So I'm staying away from that. I think the the Ravens do take care of business because they are a legit Super Bowl contender this year. But I think the Texans have an opportunity to maybe keep it close when it's all said and done. Even with that rookie quarterback, even with the new look defense out there, um, even with the bad receivers they've got out there as well. I just feel like. They could keep this close, keep it feisty. I think the Ravens' defense is going to absolutely smother the Texans' offense, though, at various points. So I do, I do have the Ravens winning this one, but that's not really, uh, not really a hot take. They're minus four fifty on the money line. So yeah, I'm, I'm staying away from that one as well. Uh, Packers Bears, and this is where this is where I might have another bet for y'all, ladies and gentlemen. Um, current line is minus one in favor of the Bears. It's come down from minus two and a half. Um, I would lean the Packers in this one, quite frankly. I think Jordan Love is going to have a really good season. Um, I think the run game is going to be more emphasized this year. I think Christian Watson is in line to have a breakout year after that breakout end of his rookie season. I mean, he's a freak. Runs a 4-3 at 6-5. A breakaway speed when you get him in, in the open space. Uh, if he can put together a route tree, he could be... He could burst onto the scene this year and be one of the best receivers in the entire league, and I think he might end up doing that. Jordan Love has got a cannon, making better decisions throughout the course of last year whenever we saw him. I think he's got command of this team right now. Got a good offensive line in front of him. Defensively, I mean, if you just look at the personnel, they should have a top 10 defense every year, but that dude Joe Barry is still there somehow coordinating the defense, so I don't know what that's going to look like. Um, on the other side of things, though, the Bears... Justin Fields has not encouraged me with his passing throughout the course of this uh, uh, of this preseason. Maybe it's better. You got DJ Moore in there as a legit number one. So, you know, Darnell Mooney can slot down to a number two. Uh, still got some, some work to do there in the receiving core, but also got Cole Komet, a, a really underrated solid tight end as well. Uh, defense, secondary still looks awful. You, you Picked up a bunch of solid players on the, on the defensive front. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe coming in late. Um, you, you got two really good inside linebackers there from uh, from the Bills and the Eagles. TJ Edwards and, um, God, the, the big-time pickup throughout the course of this. Edmonds, Terrell, not Terrell Edmonds, um, Tremaine Edmonds, the, the, the good Edmonds, if you will. Um, he was uh, he flied around the flew around the field even last season for the Bills. I think he's going to probably do the same and help out that run defense for the Bears. But the secondary is not looking good. I think it's right for the pickings for the Green Bay Packers. On on the other side of things, though, for the offense, 
because just kind of glossed over it there. But with Justin Fields, a lot like the Lamar Jackson effect, with Justin Fields there uh, as your quarterback, I think they're going to be good at running no matter what, pretty much. Uh, Khalil Herbert's really good back there. They draft Roshan Johnson. I think they, they improve the interior of that offensive line to a point where they could have some success against this Packers defense and put up some points. I think the offense is going to be better than it was last year for the Bears. And you know what? Here's my compliment to the Bears. I don't think they're going to have the number one overall pick this year. I think they're going to be better. Still not a playoff team. Still probably the worst team in this NFC North. But I think they're probably, you know, good enough to be feisty. I think that offense is going to be good as good as it was last year. I'm looking at the over, and I am adding the over in, in this one. Uh, it's currently uh, 43 on BetMGM. It's 43 on Caesar Sportsbook. Um, basically 43 everywhere except for uh, FanDuel Sportsbook where it's 43 and a half. So if you want to take the under... Go right ahead and take the under over at FanDuel Sportsbook. Outside of that, though, I'm looking at the over 43 points, and I am loving, loving, loving that line. I'm adding it to the slate. So what we got right now, we've got the over 54 and a half because I'm stupid for the Lions Chiefs. Uh, we've got the over 68 for USC versus Stanford, and now I'm adding the over on the uh, Packers Bears. Love the overs this week uh, at 43 I think they're going to obliterate that number. I think both these teams are going to score pretty well, and this one should be a fun, uh, lively contest. I'm leaning towards the Packers on the spread, and by extension on the money line, it's a, only a one-point line, so if you're going to take the spread, you might as well just take the money line when it's all said and done. Um, I like this I like this game as far as an overplay, so I'm adding it to this. Um, I don't have a great read on how it's going to turn out, so I'm not betting the spread. If I had to lean, though, I'm, I'm leaning the Packers in this one. I like what Jordan Love is doing over there in Green Bay. Moving on to the afternoon slate on Sunday, we got the Eagles visiting Foxborough to take on the Patriots. It opened up as four and a half in favor of the Eagles, down to um, minus four in most places. Kind of stayed a little bit steady, but it is moving in the Patriots' direction. Um, Eagles offense should be as good as it has been uh, last several years. Uh, they lose Isaac Sayamalu, but they have the best tackle duo in the entire league in Jordan Mailata and uh, Lane Johnson out there. Still got maybe the best center in the entire league in, uh, in Jason Kelsey. The most unstoppable play in all of football, the, the QB sneak, should still be in play because you've got a really good runner, really good decision maker in Jalen Hurts, who has turned himself into a very, very good passer as well. Got a stable of backs back there. It should be basically the exact same off. And I, I didn't even mention the receivers they got between A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard out there as well. They 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 even kept their uh, their third receiver, whose name escapes me right now, but is a solid third receiver as well. This this. Eagles offense should be just as good as it has been in the last several years. Defense got some new faces coming in. Javon Hargrave is out. Jordan Davis and um, Andre, not, is it Andre? I mean, it's Carter, Jalen Carter, not Andre Carter. Different different player from a different era. Jalen Carter is coming in. He has been looking like a freak in training camp. He's going to start in a more of a rotational role behind um, Mississippi State product, whose name escapes me right now, uh, not Jefferson. Man, I, I I need to look this up right now, folks. I'm I'm an absolute idiot. Um, hold on. Hold on. I'm I'm looking this up, and this is probably um not Fletcher Cox. I don't know why I thought Jefferson there, but Fletcher Cox. He's still in there. I think he's still starting. Um, outside of him, though. 
Uh, you got Jordan Davis stepping in. You got Jalen Carter sitting in the wings behind him. Uh, still got Brandon Graham in there. You still got a stable of pass rushers outside of that, uh, from from Barnett to uh, Hassan Reddick, uh, all across the board. The real question mark is going to be. On the back end, they lose C.J. Gardner-Johnson. What are they going to do at safety? Still got two of the best corners, one of the best corner duos in the entire league between Darius Slay, who's a legit probably top five corner in the entire league, and uh, Bradbury on the other side uh, holding it down as well. Both those guys got paid this offseason. Um, what are you going to do about the safety, though, with C.J. Gardner-Johnson not out there? And I think they lost Marcus Epps as well in free agency, so you got some real problems back there. Um, if the corners can't hold up, um, Interior uh, linebacker, they got N'Kobe Dean stepping in after a really good Georgia career. Didn't really show up at all last year, but T.J. Edwards is out. N'Kobe Dean is in. What is he going to do this season? Uh, a few question marks there, but overall, I, I think they've probably got uh, a defense that should be comparable to last season as well. I mean, the Eagles look about as good as they did last season. Patriots on the other side, uh, they got a legitimate offensive coordinator this year in Butchim Bill O'Brien uh, calling the plays for Mac Jones. I think they got a solid group of receivers. I mean, solidly middle of the pack group of receivers, I would say. Um, they add Mike Gusecki this year. Already had Hunter Henry in there, so that's a really good tight end duo. Uh, they got Devontae Parker. They got Kendrick Bourne, who I really like. Good for a big play. Uh, seems like at once a game, he comes out there and makes a freak play that you love to see. Bill Belichick has raved about his blocking as well in the running game. Um, you got Juju Smith-Schuster, who is... His knee might be a ticking time bomb. Ex could explode at any moment if you uh, if you trust Albert Breer on that one. Um, but at the same time, having an explosive on the field... It could help your offense as well. Not every offense has an explosive knee uh, that could come out there and just wreck a game for uh, the other team. So that's an X factor you got to take into account there as well. Uh, and then the backfield still got Ramondre Stevenson. They signed Zeke Elliott. I think they're going to be really good in short yardage situations. Um, I like the look of this offense on the whole offensive line. If they play well, I think this should be a, a decent, decent offense. And when it's all said and done, um, I think Mac Jones is going to have a bounce back year this year. In this game, I am staying away from the spread because I think the Eagles have a chance to maybe um, beat, beat the Patriots comfortably by seven or more. I could also see the Patriots keeping this close because Bill Belichick is a mad scientist on the defense, and he's got some really good players on the defensive side of the ball as well. I mean, Matthew Judon, uh, Christian Barmore there on the defensive line, even more players who I don't think of off the top of my head. Um, they, they drafted... Um, God, the guy out of Sacramento State this year whose name escapes me. I'm not going to take the time to go look him up, uh, but it, he seems to be playing well in uh, in camp this year. They got him in like the third round. They got Kyle Duggar. Uh, Jack Jones is still there because the legal matter is pending, so good for them right now. Uh, they just got players across the board on defense. Some of them you may not have heard of, but they should have a solid like top 10 sort of unit once again this year. And if the Patriots can make this into a bit of a rock fight, all bets are off, so I'm, I'm staying away from that one. I'm staying away from the over-under at, at 45 right now. It has come down from the from the 46 that it opened at. I think on the strength of that Patriots defense a little bit uh, when it's all said and done, um, I think the Eagles could win this comfortably. Uh, the Patriots could also keep it close. I don't have a great read on this game uh, on the whole. I think this should be a good litmus test for just how good the Patriots are this year, though. They are um, clearly in the preseason, the fourth uh, best team for a lot of people uh, in that AFC East, which is an absolute gauntlet of a division. But 
for my money, they could very easily come out here and, and still win the division if all else goes to chaos or get a playoff spot if all else goes to chaos when it's all said and done just because they got that man, Bill Belichick, and butt chin Bill O'Brien is back calling the offense for the New England Patriots. Uh, so I don't have a great read on this one is, is what I'm trying to say there. We'll just keep it moving. I'm, I'm not adding, adding any bets on that one. Um, Rams are visiting the Seahawks. Started at minus 5.5 for the Seahawks. It has come down to... Uh, minus five in some places, still five and a half in most places, though. So uh, I think that's probably uh, where it's you know a good good spot to end up in. Over unders at forty five and a half. I am staying away from the over under in this one just because um, I don't I don't know I don't know what the Seahawks do. De- I think the Seahawks defense is going to be better than it was last year. I think the Rams defense uh, still stinks, but I just I, I don't know if the Seahawks are going to score a bunch of points in this one. I'm looking at that minus five over there with Caesars. And I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking long and hard about maybe taking that uh, that spread at minus five. I think the Rams are going to be terrible this year. Uh, I think that offensive line is bad. I think the receiving group is bad. You got questions with Cooper Cup. He's been in Minnesota all week working on a hamstring issue. I don't think they're going to have him for week one. And if they don't have Cooper Cup out there, they don't got basically anyone in the receiving room. They shipped Allen Robinson out of there. They got Van Jefferson would be your number one receiver with uh, the the elusive, illustrious Puka Nakua coming in as a, a rookie, like fifth, sixth round pick, probably being the second receiver um, if Cooper Cup can't go. Defense doesn't look good uh, outside of Aaron Donald. They lose nine of 11 starters. Uh, basically, it's just Aaron Donald and Ernest Jones back in, in the fold uh, this season. Really just doesn't look good for them um, in general on that side of the ball, really either side of the ball. Um, like I said, the Seahawks on the spread, I am I am tempted to pick that. The only reason I might stay away is because shit gets weird in divisional matchups. I don't think I'll add it to the slate of bets that I'm betting. But that being said, I might end up taking it on my own just because... Yeah, well, I'm I'm interested in a little bit of risk here, adding a little bit of risk to my portfolio. So maybe maybe I go ahead and bet that one. Um, kind of all depends on how things shake out over there, though. So, oh, excuse me, that was disgusting. Um, Seahawks, though, we talked about the Rams a little bit. Seahawks, I think that that offense still got Kenneth Walker there. They draft Zach Charbonnet as well. Uh, got a really good group of tackles that they got in last year's draft. Absolutely lucked out to the maximum degree. Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas both both looked really, really good last season. Um, probably got two starting tackles there for the foreseeable future in one draft, which is not something you could usually say. Uh, interior offensive line, wait and see on that when they got the two most important positions at right and left tackle figured out. But what what is... Uh, one thing that helps an offensive line a running game and when you got when you got Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet back there I mean you can only do so bad as an offensive line and they got a group of really good receivers I mean they drafted Jackson Smith and Jigba in the first round this year in addition to Devin Witherspoon on the other side of the ball which we'll talk about here in just a second but they got a really good group of receivers outside of Jackson Smith and Jake, but obviously uh, DK Metcalf is a physical freak out there. Tyler Lockett is just year after year one of the more consistent players in the entire NFL. Geno Smith, I think he continues his career resurgence uh, this coming year, especially with Shane Waldron still being in town. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, I think defensive front still a little bit of an issue they got to be looking at there, but... They had a few players in free agency, a few players in the draft. Still got Tariq Woolen and uh, I think 
uh, young Kobe, Kobe Bryant out there on the on the outside for the uh, um, the Seattle defense. My goodness, my my brain is just all over the place right now. Uh, but I think the defense has uh, it, it's not going to be the hardest assignment they're going to face all season. Um, I think they got what it takes to rein in the Rams. I think on offense, the Seahawks are just a cut above what the Rams can have on defense. Um, I'm talking myself into this. I think I am taking that minus five, and I'm putting it on the slate right now. I'm not, so what, what do we got? We've got to recap the, the picks once again for the 15th time this episode. 54 and a half with the Lions, Chiefs, because I'm stupid. Uh, 68 with USC and, and Stanford. Uh, 43 with... Um, What's their faces? The 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 Green Bay Packers and the uh, Chicago Bears in, in Week One, taking the over in all three of those, and I'm adding my first spread bet and probably my final spread bet of this this slate minus five for the Seahawks. I think they're going to come out there and absolutely just strangle the life out of the Rams in this one when it's all said and done. I've talked myself into that. I'm staying away from the over under at uh, 45 and a half. Uh, 46 and a half in, in some places. Either way, I'm, I'm staying away from that one. I think the Seahawks come out here and uh, uh, handle business versus the Rams. Right out of the gate, that was disgusting, but we're going to keep it moving from there. Let me get a sip of this now. Probably lukewarm coffee. Hmm. Nope, not lukewarm, just room temperature now. It's it's Like I said, it's been sitting there for an hour now. It is what it is. I'm just going to keep on, keep on sipping. And then we're going to get into the home stretch of this uh, of this slate. We got one, two, three, uh, four more matchups to get to before I get y'all out of here. Um, starting off with one more uh, four twenty-five. Uh, we got we got three four o'clock games still still to get to. The first one of those uh, Raiders versus Broncos. Staying away from this one. Uh, you can get it at minus three and a half at BetMGM. Uh, Three and a half, uh, a lot of places in favor of the Broncos. And it kind of opened at three and a half, too. So uh, FanDuel's moved to four. Probably would stay away from it on that one. FanDuel and DraftKings have both moved to four on this one in favor of the Broncos. Um, I'm probably staying away from this one just because I don't know what the Broncos are going to look like out of the gates. I think eventually the Broncos are going to be a solid football team. But what does Russell Wilson look like? What does the offense look like coming out of the gates? I think I think Sean Payton's going to get this thing rolling at some point this season. But coming out of the gates with a divisional opponent, I don't know. I don't know. I like the I like the the bones of the offense. They got a really good group of receivers. I think they got an improved offensive line. I think Sean Payton's going to play a lot more into Russell Wilson's strengths than what Nathan, Nathaniel Hackett did last year. And they got they, they got a really good backfield with uh, with Javante Williams coming back. Um, other guys back there as well whose names escape me. But solid group of backs back there. Um, outside of that. On the defensive side of the ball, they got one of the best corners in the entire league, and Patrick Sertain the second. Uh, okay, solid uh, defensive front. I think they can get some push out of there. Uh, they bring in a couple guys in free agency as well to bolster that thing as well. But when you got Patrick Sertain, one of the best corners in the entire league out there, um, I think there's really only so far you can drop as a defense. Um, I like that if I had to make a lean on the spread, I would take the Broncos just because I like the makeup of their team. I just don't know how they're going to look out of the gates, so I'm staying away from that one. Um, the Raiders on the other side, they are pretty much the exact same team as last year, except for instead of Derek Carr, they got Jimmy G in there. So uh, similarly average starting quarterback. 
Um, going to be a lot more dink and dunk with Jimmy G than it was with uh, with Derek Carr last season, just kind of throwing it up to Devontae Adams. Again, they still got Devontae Adams there. They signed Jacoby Myers in free agency. Uh, Hunter Renfro is there for now. They trade away Darren Waller, though, which was the big X factor on this offense. Um, still got a lackluster offensive line that didn't really improve this offseason. Um, Josh Jacobs is back, so that, that helps out. Uh, leading rusher from last year. I think he's still probably going to be very, very good this year. And once again, I've said it a million times, I'll say it again, it's easier to run block than it is to pass block. And I think they're going to be uh, a big, big emphasis on the running game with Josh Jacobs back in the fold there after signing uh, uh, augmented, not a franchise tender, uh, but one that could get him a little bit more than the franchise tender when it's all said and done. Um, I think the offense is going to be okay. I think that offensive line issues are going to cause a problem for them at, at various points. And especially if they can't protect Jimmy G, what is that going to look like if you have to turn to Aiden O'Connell, rookie fifth round pick out of, uh, out of Purdue? Who's to say? Uh, some questions there on the offense. I don't think they're going to have a lot of those questions in week one because I think Jimmy G is probably going to stay healthy for week one at the very, very least. But Jimmy G hasn't stayed healthy for a full 16, 17 game schedule in basically his entire career. So I can't just imagine that he's going to do that now uh, in this season. And defensively, I mean, defensive line wise, I mean, it, it looks pretty. You got Chandler Jones out there who's good for like one four sack game a year and then a, a bunch of middling performances outside of that. I got Max Crosby, who's one of the best pass rushers in the entire league. You draft Tyree Wilson, who's shown flashes at various points. Uh, very, very physically talented guy that maybe you can mold into something uh, that looks really, really good out there. Linebackers don't look great. Secondary looks as bad as it ever has been. This this Raiders defense, I think if they can get to the passer, they they can rush the passer. They can you know have a little bit of a success there, but. The secondary is going to get diced up by a lot of teams. Um, I'm not sure if Russell Wilson can do it just based on what he did last season, but if Sean Payton plays to Russell Wilson's strength, I think they're probably going to score points. Again, if I had to lean, I would lean the Broncos on the spread here. I just don't know what they're going to look like in week one, so I'm staying away from it. Uh, I think the Broncos do end up winning this one um, again. Not putting them on my bets, but I think the Broncos are just a better team than the Raiders this this uh, season. Uh, over-unders at 44 right now. I'm, I'm staying away from that one as well. I could very easily see the Broncos just absolutely strangling uh, the Raiders' offense. Uh, I could possibly see the Broncos coming out slow on offense too. So I don't, I don't see... Um, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I just really don't have a great feel on the over-under in this one, so I'm, I'm staying away from it. I think it all kind of comes down to uh, what the Broncos look like coming out of the gates, though, whether they hit that or not. Uh, like most things, I think the outcome of this game kind of uh, comes down to what the Broncos look like in week one. That'll be an interesting one to watch there and answer some questions. Uh, Dolphins, Chargers. Uh, line started at minus two and a half. It has moved to minus three basically everywhere in favor of the Chargers. So if you're in the business of betting the Chargers on the spread, go right ahead. I like my money, so I'm not going to do that. Um, this will be an interesting sort of litmus test to see what both these teams are this season. I mean, Chargers coming out with a healthy offense in week one. They got their all-pro left tackle back for the entire season, Rashawn Slater. Hopefully, uh, knock on wood, hopefully he stays healthy for the entire year. Uh, no guarantee of that for sure, but 
Having an all-pro left tackle in there is going to help. Got a new offensive coordinator in there. Joe Lombardi is out. Kellen Moore is in. So what will the new offense look like there? He's still got Austin Eckler in the backfield. Uh, a rising young star at quarterback in Justin Herbert, whose arm is absolutely electric. See if they open up the offense a little bit more this year. That'll be a big question mark to see what they do. They drafted Quentin Johnson in the first round. Uh, they've still got uh, Mike Williams there. Uh, they, they've still got uh, Keenan Allen there as well. Uh, move the sticks sort of tactician there. Really good group uh, grouping of skills. You got a speed guy there with Quentin Johnston. You got a, a jump ball guy there with Mike Williams. You got a tactician there with Keenan Allen. You got a solid tight end with Gerald Everett. I like the makeup of this Chargers offense. I'm just not entirely sure what to look for on the other side of the ball at defense because, yes, you've got Joey Boza. Yes, you've still got uh, uh, Khalil Mack there. Uh, what is J.C. Jackson going to look like on the outside? Derwin James, yes, very good player as well. Um, you bring in Eric Kendricks. As far as the personnel looks, it looks like a solid group of, of, of individuals there, but it's looked like a solid group of individuals there last year as well, and that defense ended up being terrible. And what is Brandon Staley going to do on that defensive side of the ball? I don't know. I'm not a huge believer in Brandon Staley overall as a head coach, which again, Makes me stay away from this this uh, this spread. But more than anything, what makes me stay away from this spread is I think the Dolphins are legitimately good this year. I think they are traveling across three time zones all the way over to the Chargers' house over in uh, o- over in L.A. That being said, the Chargers don't have a local fan base, so I would still imagine a, a high degree of Dolphins fans being in the stadium when it's all said and done. Um, but I, on the field, though, Offensively, if Tua can stay healthy, they were one of the more efficient offenses in the entire league, both passing and rushing, when Tua was in there last year. Um, they still got Raheem Mostert there. They still got Jeff Wilson. Actually, I think they put Jeff Wilson on IR. So, rookie Devon A-Chain, I maintain it. I said it when they drafted him. At some point, I think Devon A-Chain is going to take the starting role for the for the the, the Dolphins. That's a guy. Watch out for him. I don't know if he's going to jump off the screen fantasy-wise uh, initially in this season. But I think Devon A-Chain down the stretch of this year might be a guy that wins some fantasy leagues for people. So watch out for him. I really like him. He is the exact type of bat that that Mike McDaniel loves. He loves a guy that can just run in a straight line and can kind of just, you can put the team on his back if you needed to. Um, maybe not that last part. But he basically at, at Texas A&M, Devon A-Chain was the entire offense. He ran a, a low 4-3 at the combine. I think he might be even faster than that. He is one of the most electric players in this last year's draft, and I think he ends up starting for the Dolphins eventually. Uh, offensive line, big-time question mark there. Will Teron Armstead stay healthy? Uh, outside of that, uh, Robert Hunt is really the only uh, marketable name on the offensive line. Um, yet to be seen if they, they do well there. I think they should have a little bit more emphasis on the running game this year. Mike McDaniel at times got away from it, and that's really what his bread and butter was throughout the course of his time with the uh, the San Francisco 49ers. He was known as the run game coordinator, run game guru. I think he leans a little bit more into that this season, but I can't blame him for leaning into the past because on the outside, they have probably the fastest duo of wide receivers in NFL history with Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell. Uh, they got a, a solid group of supporting cast behind those two uh, on the outside, if Tua can stay healthy, if he can use that that judo, jiu-jitsu, whatever the hell he did over the course of this offseason to, to fall properly, do his formed rolls to not bang his head against the turf or something like that, and uh, maybe not run his head into a meat grinder every time he runs with the ball, 
if he can stay stay healthy and in the lineup, in other words, I think he's got a really good chance to uh, make this offense one of the best in the entire league once again, but it's a matter of staying healthy. And in the long run, I don't trust that he can do that. In week one, though, I can I have no, no other choice but to trust that Tua will stay healthy and in the lineup. Defensively, that's going to be the most entertaining thing to watch for the Dolphins this year because they bring in uh, the most coveted free agent in the defensive coordinator market with Vic Fangio. Um, not very good defensive play calling last year, a, a scheme that did not fit the players, and they have some really good players out there. Jalen Ramsey will be out for a large portion of this season after getting that that um, meniscus repaired. Still got Xavier Howard out there, who is one of the better corners in the entire league historically. Um, still got Javon Holland, who is one of the more underrated safeties in the, in the entire league. And I think he's going to jump off the screen for some people this year because he is an absolute playmaker there on the back end. Uh, they got some solid young corners out there as well that I think they're going to play well. And then front seven. They have a legit pair of bookends there with Jalen Phillips and Bradley Chubb, with Christian Wilkins on the interior. Uh, they signed David Long for, from the uh, from from the Titans. If he can stay on the field, that is, this should be a markedly improved unit. I think they have a really good chance to be a top ten defense in the entire league this year. I really like the Dolphins, and if I had to look into my crystal ball and lean one way on this game. I'd probably lean towards the Dolphins, especially at the plus three, uh, maybe even the money line when it's all said and done. I just really like the Dolphins this year. They're in a tough division, so might end up losing more games than you would expect, but I really like this Dolphins team. Hell, I, if the Chargers can pull it together on defense, I mean, Justin Herbert's an electric player. I think they got a really good really good uh, set of offensive pieces, um, but man... I just don't. I just don't trust the Chargers. Just basically, right there. I I lean the Dolphins in this game, but I think this is going to be a dandy over under set at fifty and a half. Uh, with the Dolphins defense, I'm just not sure on that one. I'm staying away. In, in all all occasions, I am staying away from the uh, the numbers on this one, both the spread and the over under. I just think this is going to be a. It should be a fun week one game between the Dolphins and the Chargers. Uh, a, a matchup that you don't see super super often. So. Love to see it here in week one right out of the gate. Seems like it's a it's a good addition to the slate of the uh, the inaugural week of this NFL season. Love to see it there. The final 4 p.m. game, we got a divisional classic here between the Cowboys and the Giants. Open up with the Cowboys being favored by two and a half on the road. That has widened to three, three and a half in, in most places. Well, it's a, it's a pretty good mix of threes and three and a halves. Um, you can get three at, um, I mean, BetMGM. Uh, I think you can get three at uh, DraftKings Sportsbook. A lot, really across the board, you can get three a lot of places. Uh, it's three and a half in FanDuel, Caesars, all sorts of places as well. But, uh, you know, let me stop for just a second because the coffee has come back with a vengeance. Time out, pause, be right back. All right, I just did a Keon Coleman esque waddle to the bathroom. Uh, did my business. I'm back now. We're talking about the Cowboys versus the Giants, and I'm feeling a little bit less, a uh, little bit less anxious about it. Let me let me get a sip of the coffee to keep it moving once again. <sighs> Gets colder and colder every time I sip it. That's what happens when you talk for an hour and twenty minutes and don't drink hardly any of it. But it is what it is. Uh, Cowboys Giants. Um, again, one where. I think it should be a good game, quite frankly. I think the Cowboys have one of the better uh, 
rosters in the entire league if you just look at it from a, from a treetops perspective. Uh, you know, on offense, obviously they got Dak Prescott there, Hale State. Love to see him succeeding over there. I got a really good offensive line. They just signed Terrence Steele to a big extension, I think like five years, uh, 83 and a half, I want to say. And that's just off the top of my head. That might be, might be wrong there, but just sign him. Um, they got, you know, good offensive line outside of that. Maybe the best guard in the entire game. And Zach Martin, who they signed to a big deal recently as well, uh, ending that holdout. Um, they've got, I mean, really good receivers. At Well, at least one really good receiver in CeeDee Lamb. Um, they got Brandon Cooks from the Texans, which we'll see what's left in the tank over there. Uh, still got Michael Gallup as well. Uh, we'll have to see what uh, Jalen Tolbert does. Third round pick, I think, last year. Uh, they were they were kind of high on. Um, lose Dalton Schultz, and I don't know what they're going to do at the tight end position. But um, outside of that, they still got a really good offense. Just my question has to be, uh, what is the Mike McCarthy style of offense going to look like? That just doesn't feel like it's going to turn out well with uh, with Mike McCarthy being a play caller again. I'm very open to being proven wrong, but my gut feeling just it does not feel like that's going to turn out very well. And defensively, I mean, they have got stars up and down the roster. I'll tell you what, I mean, uh, Micah Parsons, um, what's what's the cornerback? Teron Diggs, uh, Leighton Van Der Esch there as well. Um, Demarcus Lawrence on the defensive line. Uh, just a really solid group and a really solid defensive coordinator with Dan Quinn. It's been able to get a lot out of this group. And I think with Micah Parsons being there in general, I think that Cowboys defense is going to be fierce. One of the best in the league uh, basically every single season. And I think they're, it's going to be no different this year. I think they got a really good group on that side of the ball. Should have a really good offense if Mike McCarthy uh, can call a good offense. For the Giants on the other side, uh, they get Isaiah Simmons on a for basically a bag of balls uh, from the uh, from the Cardinals. Uh, he should be an interesting one to watch. See how Wink Martindale uses him, but uh, got a, a a good group. Um, gonna have to see what they do with uh, losing Julian Love at safety. He played really well for them last year. Uh, see what they do at cornerback, but. Wink Martindale has been able to show time and time again that they can get a lot of uh, a lot of good out of a, not a whole lot to work with. Kayvon Thibodeau coming into his second year, I think he's going to have a big season. Um, Dexter Lawrence in the middle, I think he's going to play very very well. Uh, I just think they got a good, uh, maybe not the the flashiest names, but a good group for the Giants on the defensive side of the ball. Offensively, Daniel Jones showed in this Brian Dayball system that he's got got some juice out there. Um, uh, still got Saquon Barkley in there. They resolved that that contract situation for the time being with that uh, that franchise tag averting deal that that he signed uh, to get back with the team. An improved group of receivers. I think they got about a million uh, second receivers on this team. Uh, they got like Darius Slayton, Isaiah Hodgins. Um, I think Jamison Crowder just signed again with their with their practice squad. Um, so maybe not a, a game day roster, but the big. The big guy that did add, who will pretty much be their number one receiver, is Darren Waller. I think I think Daniel Jones and him are going to have an immediate connection, and he's going to lead the team in receiving right out of the gate. I really like that addition of Darren Waller, especially with Daniel Jones as your quarterback. And uh, sneaky fast, if you haven't been watching Daniel Jones, great straight line runner. He can get 
he can get going in a hurry, and he can uh, he can really kill your defense with his legs. Um, I just like the multiple ways that they can attack you on this offense. I think they got really solid. Daniel Bellinger, their second tight end, underrated. Going to get overshadowed by Darren Waller this year, but I really like Daniel Bellinger as well. Maybe not a guy you can count on fantasy-wise, but good blocker, a good receiver on third down when you need him to be there. I just like the makeup of this team in general, which is why I'm staying away from this spread uh, overall. Uh, if you want to bet the Giants, uh, just get it at three and a half at you know, FanDuel, Sportsbook, like I said, Caesars, Points Bet. All of them have my uh, three and a half right now if you wanted to bet the Giants. Um, uh, minus three is basically everywhere else if you're if you're betting the uh, the Cowboys on the other side. Over-unders at 46. I just, I don't like that. I don't, I don't like that at over-under at all. With these two defenses possibly playing well on, on both sides, I just, I'm staying away from that one. I'm staying away in general, but I think this is going to be a classic divisional matchup. We're going to see a, a lot of what Mike McCarthy's offense is for the Cowboys, and I think we're, we're going to see steady improvement for the Giants on the other side of things, um, both on offense and hopefully on defense. They have a, a good group as well. They did... Um, who is it? Bobby Okereke they got in free agency at linebacker. He should really help them out in the middle. I just really, I think this is going to be a fun matchup of uh, possible playoff teams, especially in the NFC. It's wide open out there. So I think the Giants are in line once again to have a playoff spot, even though they're in a tough division with the Cowboys and the Eagles. I like this matchup as far as a football game is concerned. It'll probably be the national game because the Cowboys are in it and the Giants are in it for that matter too. Two big time TV markets, but uh uh, I think it'll live up to the hype, too. I think it's going to be a fun game. I'm staying away from the uh, the spreads overall, though. Just going to sit back and watch and enjoy as a fan. Um, and the final game of the week, we got Sunday night on the eve of 9-11 for the Jets at home. The Bills are coming in. It is a it open up at minus one and a half. It has moved a point in the Bills' direction to minus two and a half for the Bills. And do I even need to introduce these teams right now, man? I will anyways. I mean, the Bills on offense, you got Josh Allen. You got a solid offensive line there. Um, improved offensive line even from what they've been the last couple of seasons. But this nose just cannot stop itching. Uh, but I digress on that front. Damian Harris, they bring in off the street from uh, from New England. Uh, he, he's come, coming in probably being the new starting running back there. Well, actually, no, James Cook is the starting running back. Uh, Devin Singletary's gone in the wind as well, so Damian Harris will step in and provide that one-two punch with James Cook. Um, outside of that, they got a solid group of receivers. Obviously, Stephon Diggs being the headline. They draft Dalton Kincaid. We'll have to see what he is. Usually, tight ends start slow in the league. I like his future. Not sure what the present looks like for Dalton Kincaid. Uh, I think they'll probably try and use him a good amount this season, though, so that'll be one to watch. Um, Receiving-wise, though, after uh, after Stephon Diggs, still got Gabe Davis there. And uh, a bunch of deep threats outside of that. They got they got a bunch of guys that can just go deep when it's all said and done. I think once again they're going to be pushing the ball down the field this season with a couple of checkdowns when they can't find something down the field. But when you got when you got Josh Allen at quarterback, only so bad you can be on offense. Quite frankly, I think they're going to be very very good when it's all said and done. Defensively, question marks at linebacker, question marks at defensive coordinator. They lose Leslie Frazier this offseason. Um, still got a really good defensive line. Vaughn Miller's working his way back in there, but you sign Leonard Floyd uh, to kind of be a little stopgap in the pass rush. And when when um, Vaughn Miller gets back, uh, 
Floyd is going to be right there as part of that that pass rush uh, rotation with Greg Rousseau. They got even more guys out there that I'm not even not even mentioning right now, but uh, just a really solid defensive front in general. Um, secondary wise, kind of speaks for itself. They they drafted. I think Dane Jackson's still back there. Uh, they got Trey White, Tredavious White out there at their number one corner, one of the best corners in the league before his ACL injury, another year removed from that. So he should be ready to go as well. Um, Safety-wise, they've still got Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer there. They bring in the uh, the, the starting safety from the Rams, I want to say. They brought in another safety as well, uh, just to kind of shore up back there. They are, they're loaded on, on their back end uh, for the, the Bills. I think this defense is going to be comparable to what it was last year. Jets-wise, they bring in Aaron Rodgers. Uh, the offensive line is horrifying. If you were a Jets fan, that's going to be the biggest question mark coming in, especially with that vaunted Bills pass rush, which is kind of why I would lean Bills in this game more than anything. But you got Aaron Rodgers, got a great group of receivers. Garrett Wilson, I think, is going to explode on the scene this year with Aaron Rodgers as his quarterback. I, it, my, my bullish take is that he's going to be a top five receiver this year in receiving yards, touchdowns, all that sort of things. I really like Garrett Wilson this year. And outside of him, they sign Alan Lazard to a contract. Uh, Corey Davis did retire, but they still got McCole Hardman there. Um, still got a solid group of reti- uh, tight ends with C.J. Uzama. Uh, uh, Tyler Conklin still there as well, I want to say. Um, got Randall Cobb there, who will probably move the sticks on a couple different occasions throughout the season just because of his built-in rapport with Aaron Rodgers. Brees Hall and, uh, and uh, Dalvin Cook back there. Really solid group of, of backs, which again... When you don't know what your offensive line is going to be, run blocking, easier than pass blocking. I think they're going to emphasize the run big time in this one. Uh, attack those linebackers for the Bills that are you know kind of new in that in that role. If there's one weakness on this team, uh, on this defense for the Buffalo Bills, it's probably the, the interior of that defensive line and the interior of that linebacking core. So I expect them to run right at the Buffalo Bills in this one with Dalvin Cook. Maybe mix in Brees Hall if he is active and out there ready to play. Which seems like he is he is uh, all systems go might just be Dalvin Cook out of the gate uh, starting just to you know get Brees Hall back acclimated uh, to the the system there. But offensively, I like the Jets outside of that offensive line, which is horrifying. Uh, defensively, nothing. I mean, the, defensively, the, the Jets are better than the Bills. I'll say that right now. They got Sauce Gardner, who is maybe. Maybe the best corner in the league right out of the gate. He is a fantastic player, great trash talker, um, great coverage guy as well. Uh, didn't allow a touchdown in his entire uh, uh, college career pretty much. So that should tell you everything you need to know about about Sauce Gardner uh, coming into the NFL. And he's been every bit as good, every bit as spectacular uh, as he was in college in the NFL, if not even more so. Um and that's just on the back end. They got DJ Reed on the other side, uh, underrated sort of corner that's been getting his tires pumped up a lot by Sauce Gardner this this offseason. Um, got a good back end there as well. Uh, you, you got CJ Mosley in the middle there. You got uh, Quentin Williams' brother, Quincy Williams. Quentin Williams on the front line as well, uh, a guy that's paid a, a huge amount of money now. Um, with that new contract extension. I think he signed a contract extension. I think I'm not blowing shit out of my ass right now, at least not on camera. I'll tell you that, and I'll just keep it moving from there. 
Um, defensive line, they draft Will McDonald in the, in the first round. Uh, so maybe the pass rush will, will improve from there. Defensive line might be the soft spot of this defense, but I think they can scheme up some pressure even from there. I think the rest of this defense is so good that it doesn't necessarily um, matter. I think the secondary is elite. I think the, the linebackers are very, very good. Um, really, the defensive line just has to be solid. And I think with Leonard Williams there in the middle, they can be solid. Um, defensively, I think they're better on defense than they are on offense. I'm staying away from this game. If I had to, if I had to make a lean, maybe it's the Buffalo Bills at minus two, just because of that advantage they have in the pass rush department. But I think the Jets are going to pound the rock in this one, uh, which is why I don't like the over under at 46 either. Uh, come down from 48 as well, which should tell you all you need to know about. Um, how Vegas is feeling about this, but I think they're getting kind of the same vibe that I'm getting. It's going to be a lot more run heavy than pass, even with uh, Aaron Rodgers being in there. Um, I like I like what the Jets put together, but I just think Bills might end up taking this. I don't have a great feel either way on this one, though, so I'm, I'm staying away. But it should be a dandy for the first Sunday night game of the season. And uh, with that, that's all, folks. That is, that is all she wrote. So one more time to recap the uh, the bets this week. We have got on the official slate, we have got over 54 and a half because I'm an idiot with the uh, the Lions and the Chiefs. Over 43 with the, the uh, Packers and the Bears. Minus five uh, with the Seahawks over the Raiders. And adding in a college bet, over 68 with Stanford and USC. Uh, there you have it right there, folks. And that is all for this episode. Hope you all have a good weekend. Love that football is back in full swing. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe, share with a friend. We're back to two episodes a week. College football now on Tuesdays, NFL now on Thursdays, so we can just kind of get all our ducks in a row and don't have to talk about Monday Night Football on a college football episode. It's very jarring to go back and forth like that. Um, won't be like this next week with the uh, with the, the college football being on Monday night, all that sort of stuff. We just get all the all the NFL on one episode, all the college football on another episode, and it'll be all good. But if you enjoyed, subscribe, share with a friend, uh, follow me on Twitter at Caleb Verzak. Uh, that link will be in the description. So you have to spell my fucked up Eastern Block name if you want to contact the show. Either shoot me a DM or shoot me an email at unqualifiedanalysis at gmail.com. Outside of that, thank you so much for tuning in to Unqualified Analysis. As usual, I got no idea what I am talking about. That being said, few well, one thing I learned this week, uh, let me let me pick a fun fact here, because both of them I kind of learned from uh, listening to a nice little Hitler documentary series in my podcast rotation right now, Real Dictators. Uh, if you don't listen to that one, go listen to it. If you like history, fantastic historical uh, podcast there. Paul McGann's got the voice of God. Uh, I digress, though. What I learned this week from that that uh, podcast series, eight and ten German U-boat crew members were killed in action during World War II. That is 80%, if you're doing the quick math at home, of uh, German U-boat, U-boat crews. Uh, were killed in action during World War II. That is just insane stuff right there. Uh, but anyways, enjoy the NFL slate. Enjoy the college football slate. We are all the way back with football this weekend. So have a good one, folks. I am going to go edit and clean, I suppose. So see ya.